Welcome to Straight Shooting, presented by Detroit Sports Nation. Detroit Sports Talk, no BS. Hosted by A.J. Riley, produced and co-hosted by Matt Basson. So get those sights locked in. Let's shoot straight. What's up, Nation? Pumped to bring you this inaugural show, Shooting Straight. To kick off this new era of Detroit Sports Nation, we're giving you more content, more platforms, and more often. You can find us on all of our socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We've got a brand new TikTok, and then new full shows will be on our YouTube. So right now is the time to subscribe to that Detroit Sports Nation YouTube channel. We got more shows on tap, but right now is the time to kick off shooting straight. And Matt, I want to start with some of the hot news of the week. It's an article that's been posted on our website for a couple of days now, but something that uh, just keeps getting traction. And it's Jeff Blashill and the hot seat that he is sitting in right now with the Detroit Red Wings. And they're improving. There's no doubt that they're improving and they're young, but he's had seven years. One playoff appearance, two GMs. Is it time for him to go? Have we seen enough of Jeff Blasio? Is it time for somebody else, Stevie Y, to get his guy in there and be like, take the reins, take the young guys, and make it happen? It's a shame to say yes, because this isn't his fault. Right. He took over a very slowly sinking ship. You know, this was a team that was dominant from the end of the 90s throughout the 2010s this was you know arguably the best franchise in the nhl for about 15 years and they didn't they didn't let go mm-hmm. of what they had and they tried to the Datsuks, you know and whatnot they tried to incorporate youth to the aging veterans that they were getting rid of in the chelios and the eisermans and whatnot but they didn't take the full, cut it off, right. rebuild. Yeah, they didn't and, build Detroit Tigers. Right. And they've been forced to over these last so many years. I mean, when Jeff Blesio comes in, he comes into a, a good, decent, a good hockey team. But at the end of its rope. And right. that was his one playoff appearance, his very first year. And then from there, it was 500, not quite, but right. almost. And then... Finally, the bottom fell out a couple of years ago. This team went 17 and 49, you know, the worst team in hockey at that point. And like you said, they are getting better as of this date. They are one game below 500. Not terrible. However, there are only six teams in the Eastern Conference that are worse than the Detroit Red Wings record wise. That's not good enough. That's not going to get you to the playoffs. And this is why Eisenman was brought in to save his team because it is his team. And those of us, my age especially, right. who grew up with number 19 as our captain, know that this is his team. And it's, it's not Blashiel's fault. But yeah. it might be time for a different voice. So there's one of my good friends who's a hockey nut. When they first hired Blashiel, he was like, Detroit has got to be patient. He's a really good coach. And I go back to what you said. It's not necessarily his fault, the team that he inherited, but could he be getting more out of what he's had the last few years, right? You you have these higher draft picks. You've brought in Steve Eiserman. And I think that, you know, seven years is enough time to know what you have in this coach. So I, I, I think the premise is spot on. That seat is hot and it's probably hot for a good reason. And the reason is... He's just not getting us to where we need to be. It's hockey town, for God's sakes, right? Right. And hockey town is not hockey town with a 500 club. Correct. There's no way that works. So letting Stevie Y kind of loosen the reins a little bit, get rid of Blasio, bring in somebody who can take this youthful team to that next level where we're not like celebrating one game under 500, but we're celebrating potential playoff runs and then hopefully a run at the Stanley Cup again, you know, 
it seems like that's the direction and you kind of get the feeling that that's the tenor with which this team is singing right now, right? Is it's time to move on. It's time to move on. And it's maybe not fair, but such is life when it comes to sports, specifically successful organizations. They, they, they can no longer just mire in mediocrity. They need right. to move forward. And, you know, the Tigers have done that. You know, they're probably arguably steps behind where the Red Wings are potentially even at. But we went out and got the guy last year. They brought in wow. a hinge. <laughs> well, he fell into the guy our lap. He fell into our lap. He fell into our lap. Let's, yeah, you're right. Let's be fair here. Okay. We have a World Series winning 100%. manager that fell into our lap yep. because his team cheated. Well, and because the White Sox are the <laughs> White Sox. So that worked out well in our benefit. But at the same time, we didn't hesitate when he fell in our lap. No, definitely he was not. our guy. But and so the Red Wings are kind of at that point, right? If it's not going to be Blasio, you got to get that guy right now. Right, but I don't know who that guy is. I don't, I don't know, know who who's leaving a good franchise in the AHL that maybe they just had a falling out with yeah. management. You know, a, 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 a for lack of a better you know term um, comparison, Jim Harbaugh with the Niners. Jim Harbaugh did nothing wrong as head coach of the 49ers, but God did ownership hate him for some reason and looked for any reason to get him out of San Francisco. Yeah, and that worked out. Really well seven for Michigan, years. I think. Well, seven years later, it worked out. Well, there you go. We're talking about seven years again. Now, it's a different scenario. Where Jim Harbaugh came into a scenario in Michigan, Michigan was at its lowest point Low. in a long time. Yeah. Was... The Red Wings weren't there yet. Well, well hold on. Hold on. Let, let's, let's, they weren't, the, the lowest point was Rich Rodriguez. Brady Hoke kind of reestablished, but he was never going to swing them upwards mm -hmm. harbaugh was able to get them there right in, in, in bleschel's situation you know he coming off being a red hot head coach in grand rapids mm -hmm. you know and led them to a championship in the ahl and takes over one of the best franchises in hockey the best the best the best united states franchise sure. in hockey in the detroit red wings mm -hmm. but he didn't take them over at the right point this is why i say it's not his fault if he took over this franchise three years ago when we are bad bad and then you say he had seven years and we're still hovering around 500 i would say i'm all on board he couldn't get it done gotta go but four of his seven years are wasted on trying to do what ownership wanted to do which was continue to slowly sink the ship and yeah. not just plunge a hole on the side of it say goodbye and bring in new people yeah, common denominator there's one person, <laughs> Mr. C. Illich. But I digress on that situation. We can talk about him a lot more when we talk about baseball. But yeah, I, I just, it, it's, I, I think it's come to that point, right? Like you piss or get off the pot, you're not really pissing. So it's time to step off, maybe find somebody else. And you know what? Like, I, I think that that argument of like, well, who's it going to be? I don't think you have to have that answer right now, right? Because to me, that seems like a, not saying that you were copping out, but it, it seems a little bit like a cop out where it's like, well, we might as well keep them because we don't know who's going to be available. That That's not how you run a successful organization. It's not how Steve Eiserman's going to run and he hasn't been running this organization over the last couple of years, right? So I, I don't think that thought or that mindset is really going to come into into play. At least I hope it's not going to, just be just because we have the guy running the team that everybody and their grandmother wants running that team. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, he's shown success in in Tampa Bay. Yeah, so those Tampa Bay Cups are Eiserman's teams, right? He might not be there anymore. He put those teams together. Yeah. And so, I I mean, thanks for your service. There's the door. Bring on the new guy. And I think, you know, if, if and when he does, you know, get the boot from Detroit, I think we'll see much more of him down the line for, I'm sure for a different NHL team. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure too. But I also think that the candidate that we get is going to be somebody who 
is that upper echelon because you've got Steve Eisenman, you've got Nick Lidstrom that's now in the front office as well, working with Eisenman. So you've got this whole championship caliber, right, and pedigree that's there to help foster and nurture these young guys, plus one of the original six and historic franchises. Who doesn't want to be a part of that, right? That's something that, that as a coach, you're like, sign me up. So somebody will be available and somebody will be there and Iserman is going to be the guy to get them. I, I fully believe that as well. You know, I've always had faith in my captain and that faith will never go away. <laughs> and I, I mean, I would venture to say that he's still our captain. Yeah. Love Dylan Larkin, but he's still our captain. And Dylan Larkin is going to be a good one for years sure. to come as well. You know, I'm glad he got the captain seat, and I think he'll be our guy for the next decade. Um, and hopefully, you know, I'm expecting it. Eiserman will put a team around him yeah. that is competitive. Yeah. And hopefully we get a couple cups under him. But number 19 will always be the number one C. It's the, oh, geez. No doubt about that. Nope. He's the Derek Jeter of the NHL when it comes to the captains. He's the captain. She's like Derek Jeter was. Speaking, Speaking of, of Derek Jeter. <laughs> perfect segue. Thank Hi. you. <laughs> um, so we've been dealing with this since December 2nd, AJ. Ooh. It is now March 1st. Um, so we've had, you know, all of December, all of January, all of February. And, uh, you know, pitchers and catchers were supposed to report weeks ago. That didn't happen. Spring training was supposed to begin. That didn't happen. And the first two series of the regular season were scheduled a month from now. That's not happening now, AJ. Right. We are locked out. We are locked out. Right. Not yep. the same as 94 or 95, but for the first time since 94 or 95, regular season baseball games will not happen. Dude, skipping dude. the COVID stuff. Yeah. <laughs> skipping COVID. But mm -hmm. for regular business baseball reasons, we are not going to have baseball as yeah. of right now. And it's so unfortunate, so unfortunate that you've got a group of people uh, that are so tone deaf when it comes to the game that they essentially own. I know, I know, I know. It's all that's about their tone. Dogs. That's all they. That's and, all they tell me here. And I and I get and I. Like, I understand that nobody goes into business to lose money 100%. But here's a newsflash. They're not losing money. They're not losing money. And the ridiculous thing is since December 2nd, they've been locked out. It took months for them to get a proposal to the players. Six weeks. Six weeks from the lockout, I think, for their first proposal. So according to a tweet by one of our favorite players' brothers, Ben Verlander, he was watching the the <laughs> he was watching the um watching the, the public address from, from Rob the Clown Manfred. And um this reporter asked him, he said, Why negotiations hadn't been going on for three months, essentially. It, it, it took a long time to get both sides to the table. And Manfred answered and said, well, we've been here for the last 10 days. That's all I can say. Thanks for answering and not answering at the same time. If that time. was in the middle of December, it, it would be poignant. But it's yeah. not. It's no. the end of February. No, on a day that you set as a deadline before you would cancel regular season games. And guess what you're doing when you're making that announcement? canceling regular season games at least the first two series and the the problem is is again i go back to what i mentioned earlier this this kind of tone deafness like there's no way there's no way that you are going to get a fan base in baseball to feel sorry for you because you lost money and in reality when you look at the books they're not losing money they made a, a whole heck of a lot of money. The, yeah, t tell that to my to my boss who wants to take his two kids to a baseball game, right. and it's going to cost him three hundred dollars between the tickets, the hot dogs, and the, the soda. Yeah, the parking, which is owned by the owners as well. 
Don't right. tell me you're losing money. I don't care. And and yeah, and that's the thing, right? Like, gone are the days of old when I think both of us wish that we could have existed. Where, you know, you come off the factory line, you go and buy a ticket, you go sit in the bleachers, you take in a game. You know, you maybe have your favorite adult beverage. You're probably grabbing some kind of snack and it's affordable it's the past time for a reason right because you're passing time to relax but now it's an event right it's you know these seats cost this much and a few years ago the statistic was that an average family of four to go to one regular season baseball game costs over two hundred dollars and that's not even that now well i'm sure it is i'm sure it is but that's not even for the good seats either. No. And that's the, sitting up where the guys look like ants. And the reality is, is you've got a bunch of owners here and you brought up Jeter, which I'm glad that you brought up Jeter because the him resigning from the Marlins, I think is a very good indication of where the mindset of ownership is at in major league baseball, because the Marlins Yes, they made the playoffs during the COVID year. Some would say that doesn't count, but I'm one of those people that believe they all played the same amount of games, so mm-hmm. it counts, right? But they have young talent, and they have a great young pitching rotation. Why is Derek Jeter walking away? Well, rumor has it, allegedly, ownership's not ready to pony up, not willing to pony up. And some will argue, yeah, you could blame that on the fans because they don't maybe get the pull that they should get from the citizens. Florida has issues with getting their baseball fans. 100%. I get all of that. But but the Marlins have more World Series rings in the last two decades than the Tigers do. Mm-hmm. Right? They've, they've built championship teams before. They've spent in the past. Why are they not spending now? I think they have. So 97 and 03, right? Right. Okay, and, so it wouldn't be quite right. I was like, because you're talking about Derek Jeter, who came from the Yankees. Right. This is an organization that he grew up with, spends to win. That is all he knew. That is all Steinbrenner did. He right. spent to win, and they won a lot. And they and did. So this is what Jeter's coming from, and I'm sure, you know, you can't have that high of an expectation. No. But somewhere in the back of his mind is, I had an owner that did what it took to win. I would like an owner that does at least a little bit of what it takes to win. And he doesn't have that in Miami. And, you know, I, I think that from a fan's perspective, right, we see a lot of people that are like, okay, these guys make multi-million dollars who are ar- o- arguing over multi-million dollars that I would potentially never see in my lifetime. Like, this is ridiculous. Make an agreement. Get on the ball field, Right. And I 100% get that, and I empathize with that in in a lot of ways. But the reality is you have guys, 71% of Major League Baseball players make less than a million dollars. And in fact, since 2017, the minimum salary has only gone up $35,000 from $535 in 2017 to $570, okay? A lot of money. I'm not saying that. No, a lot like, of money. It is. It still is. Very happy to get half a million dollars in a year. Right, but when you take into account that half a million dollars also needing to be spent on club dues every day that you're at a major league ballpark, you pay taxes in every state that you play in. Okay, your your chart like wherever your game is at and you're drawing game checks from, that's where you're getting taxed. So if you're a California Angel making. $500,000, you're more making $250,000, right? Mm-hmm. Cuz of the tax rates. And then on top of that, you have some cities like Pittsburgh that have entertainment taxes. Where if you are an entertainer making money in their city, then you also have to pay an additional tax on top of what you pay the state in tax. So, yes, it is a lot of money, but there's also a lot associated with this and the players were looking for just a basic inflation raise is what they're looking for as far as where inflation has gone and what their minimum salary is, they don't coincide mm-hmm. at all. And that's what the players are saying. Like we the the guys that are like the most one of the most vocal negotiators for these players is Max Scherzer. Now Max Scherzer 
his contract, his average annual salary right now is actually larger than one team's entire payroll, the Baltimore Orioles, which is ridiculous, okay? Mm-hmm. And much of the problem that we're talking about. Why do we we're have We're not to- talking about just the just the nine guys on the field. No, we're talking about the entire team of the Baltimore Orioles. Yeah. All their rotation pitchers, all their starting pitchers, 25 man guys roster. playing outfield, infield, catcher, 25 man roster, active roster. 25 man roster. Well, is making more than them. 20, yeah. And like one, that's, that's problem, the bigger problem to me. Huh? I think baseball yeah. would be able to if they had a cap where you couldn't give these players half a billion dollar, you know, in a contract and you could spread well, that money to the team more. I think we wouldn't be sitting in this situation with the collective bargaining agreements. Well, yeah, and at least that portion of. But it. I mean, they've kind of like, how do you go and then institute a salary cap when you have not instituted it previously, right? You want to talk about a major issue as far as labor relations are concerned? That would be one. The bigger issue is, you have the first two series of the of the, of the season that have already been canceled. If an agreement's not come to, then that's going to keep bleeding into the summer. And now this this sport that is a beautiful sport, and I love the sport, is is now going to start to fade into complete irrelevancy. It's bordering on irrelevancy right now, but it's going to just get to that point of, all right, we'll find other stuff to do, right? Because you, you're you've priced average fans out of the game essentially mm-hmm. now you're arguing over like a, a lot of like it's significant money okay i'm not trying to minimize like what the owners would have to pay they would have to pay significant money if they went with the you know the player's proposal but what's not being taken into account is the fans right i mean yeah. we're we're coming out of a two-year pandemic how many people would flood a ballpark right now how many people? Oh, you get millions out there. And and what's happening is you these owners who have been inoculated to the everyday man, they don't see that. They don't feel that. They don't understand that. Right? For them, it's a business. For them, it is their company, which I understand. I get. But you are your company. The service that you provide is a moment of peace and relaxation and getaway for Upwards of millions of people every summer. Mm-hmm. And you've just robbed them of that because you have somebody in leadership, Rod Manfred, Rob Manfred specifically, that has very little, if zero, backbone at all. He can't get the owners to the table to negotiate. And the negotiations, the counteroffers that they brought back to the players were so ridiculously low that these there were a number of baseball people that were reporting that, oh, they're getting close. There could be a deal. Well, let me read you the final, like, proposals, okay? Yeah, how final, far were they? <laughs> yeah, okay. So the best offer, okay, the best offer that the owners offered to the players, a pre-arbitration bonus pool of $30 million, and that's a whole brand new thing that we can talk about in a minute, Okay. No change in the uh, the collective bargaining tax or the competitive balance tax. I'm sorry, CBT, competitive balance tax. They wanted it to stay at 220, 220, 220, 224, and then 230 for the end of the CBA. So those are consecutive years, mm-hmm. right? First year be 220, second 220, third 220, then up to 224, then up to 230. They were willing, the owners were willing to go to a minimum salary of $700,000 with it being a $10,000 increase over the rest of the, yeah, over the rest of the, the, the deal. So it started at 700,000, it would cap out at 740,000. Okay. However, the players association previous deal. Now remember those numbers I just said, here's their proposal that the owners came back with that last one. Competitive balance tax at $238 million in the first year. 244 in the second year, 250, 256, 263. Mm-hmm. Not even on the same planet. Nope. Pre arbitration bonus, it gets even worse. $85 million 
with a $5 million annual increase. That's a difference of $55 million. Okay, not close. Mm-hmm. And then they wanted the minimum salaries to start at $725,000 and go up 20000 a year. Each year. So that would put them at eight oh five at the end of the mm-hmm. collective bargaining agreement, right? Twenty. Yeah, so they're not that close. 16. No, they're not close at all. And it really makes me wonder if there's, like, being how far apart they are and the narratives that are pushed, right? I mean, last night they negotiated till 2.30 in the morning, mm-hmm. right? I'll, let's say Monday night. They negotiated till 2.30 in the morning. Guys are coming out, spreading the narrative. Oh, they, they think they're close. And then this morning they're saying, oh, the players changed their tune, right? To put pressure on the, the players. Players have been pretty consistent. Mm-hmm. They haven't changed their tune. And you got a bunch of guys, a bunch of players that I see on my timeline all the time. They want a deal done. But who's not willing to negotiate? And it sucks. And it sucks. And it sucks for the Tigers. It does. And it sucks for the Tigers big time because of the step forward that they took last year. It does It, it does suck for us in Detroit especially. Especially Detroit because you're talking about a year when Mize and Scoobo were going to be on their second year and they're probably going to take a step forward, right? Other young guys like Jamer Candelario who's been just raking and doing really well. And then... You also had the excitement of when's Torkelson coming up? When's Green coming up? Who knows now? But then also, you got Miggy and his 3,000 hits. All that is being taken away from the Detroit sports fans this summer. And if I was a Detroit Tigers fan like I am, I would be pissed like I am. Because it's ridiculous that we have a bunch of people, again, who have been inoculated from the common man, that don't understand how they're affecting the game that they own. The game that they have bought a business into, and they are not being very, in my opinion, competent business people. They're not serving their customers, not serving their clientele. And they're not helping themselves anyway. You're never going to get the average fan to feel sorry for billionaires. It's just never going to happen. Right. Barely to get them to feel sorry for millionaires. It's really never going to happen. And I don't, I don't necessarily feel sorry for the players, right? I don't. I do feel sorry for the guys who are scraping by, who spent time in the minor leagues, and then they're locked into a six-year commitment to a team where the first three years just have to be minimum salary. So no other sport has this, right? Basketball doesn't have this. Football doesn't have this. I mean, I'll, I'll, explain this six-year you know, lock-in that these players that are coming up automatically are forced into. Yeah, so the the previous, like, arbitration system worked this way. Your rights when you were drafted, your major league service time had to equal six years before you went to free agency. And you were stuck with your team no matter how long you were in their minor league system unless they trade you. Unless they trade you. Unless unless they they choose to non-tender you. A contract. So the team has all the power over you until you have played six full seasons in the show. Now, double A, not triple A, but in the actual major MLB service time, which is why you saw people like Chris Bryant, who should have been up opening day when he debuted, have to wait a month because now they get an extra year out of them, essentially. Right. So there's service time manipulation that goes into that. But it's not. I don't want to say it's full, like, this is what you're getting paid for six years because they have this arbitration process where after your third year, you can then go to year one of arbitration, where year one of arbitration, you bring your value to the table. The team sees your value as X. You see your value as Y. And if you can come to an agreement within those parameters, they sign you for a year. If you don't, you go to an arbitration hearing, an arbiter then decides... This is what that player's worth, and that's what they—that's their contract for the year. Okay, it's a little bit more hairy when you get into like the super twos, where you've produced so well through your first two years that you can go to arbitration a year early. And like, then like, that, like, yeah, and and that's where like that pre-arbitration pool 
kind of came from. Players want this pool to be spread out a little bit wider. They're one, they, they want there to be performance bonuses, which all of us have at a job anyway. They want there to be performance bonuses for players who come out, light the world on fire, win rookie of the year, but then make league minimum the next year, right? Right. So all the value, you know, the, the best years of the player's time is being given to the team essentially for pennies on the dollar. And that's where that's the crux of this entire entire issue. But here's a positive, okay? Especially for Detroit sports fans, right? For the Tigers. Minor league baseball started in 35 days. Our prospects are playing baseball in 35 days. Mm-hmm. Okay, the guys that we are going to be looking forward to in the future, assuming there is a future in baseball, right? They're playing. So Take the short drive down to Toledo. Don't subscribe to MLB.com. Subscribe to MILB.com. Watch their games. Be entertained that way. Because then you'll know who's coming up. Maybe build yourself a new favorite player for the years to come and look forward to watch their, their career progress. And then look forward to, hopefully, Major League Baseball at some point in the future. It's just a shame. It's just an absolute disgrace is what it is. And I can't even believe I'm getting ready to say this, but I like Roger Goodell more than I like Rob Manfred. (laughs) And I cannot believe like Manfred may be the worst commissioner in all of sports history. He's terrible. And I don't know if they're fighting for it. Well, they might be fighting for it, but I think that (laughs) Manfred might have a leg up. Right. I mean, it's brutal. It's brutal for somebody who loves the game of baseball to see it being ripped apart and falling down that cave of irrelevancy even farther. Man. You know, I keep arguing with our buddies about how soccer will never overtake baseball. And now I'm starting to think I might be wrong on that one. To me, it, it, it It's a list of unfair things that make no sense to me in baseball and things I would love to see change in baseball. I think it's ridiculous. The peanuts that minor league players make in general and the conditions they have to deal with to play baseball games. I think it's ridiculous that you could sign one person on your team to a half a billion dollar contract and then gripe about money. Don't sign the guy to a half a billion dollar contract. Was he demanding it? I mean, to me, I want to see fairness. I want to see... And, you know, and the names that we haven't even mentioned of people who work at these ballparks. Right. Are, their jobs are gone right now. They're not, they selling, they're not selling food. They're not selling beer. They're not working the parking lots. You know, there's, there's no shirts to sell. There's no, you know, uniforms to sell. There's nothing. All the yeah. people that we don't even know the names of are getting hit just as bad as anybody else. But to me, I would love to see a fairness of, in the sense of cap, so that you can't give one player half a billion dollars and then bitch about how you're not making enough money to pay the other 80% of your team a real professional athlete's wage. Right. There's a difference between a living wage and when you are a professional athlete. When you are bringing in so much money, you deserve a cut of that money. And so I understand that. I would love to see a situation where everyone's getting a lot of money. You are getting revenue on top of that of your uniform sales your t-shirt sales, all the ones that have your name on it, not just the team's name, you get a cut of that. And that's where you get to make up more money. Mike Trout will still make more money than another guy who's playing on the team that we don't know the name of as well because his uniform is going to sell a hell of a lot more. Give him a cut of that. Let these guys make money in a different way where you as an owner are able to spread your money out to the team in a much more fair manner, including down to the minor leagues where these guys are making enough money to live their dream because these guys are scraping by trying to chase a dream they've chased since they were a kid. No, And it's not fair to them. I understand they're not as good as the guys in the show. And so they don't deserve to be there yet, but they are still chasing a dream and entertaining thousands of fans. And if you are a fan of this game, you use this lockout to prove it. Do exactly what you said, AJ, go to Toledo, go to you, wherever your minor league team plays, Go and flood that stadium with fans. 
Treat that stadium like Comerica. Treat yeah. that stadium like Dodger Stadium. Flood it and get there and be there early and enjoy the game for the minor league guys. Show them the love that you would be showing the guys in the show, but there is no show right now. There is no show, and it's so frustrating because, yeah, there is a huge discrepancy, but we're, you know, we're talking about these top 1% people of all athletes, right? They have gotten to that point, and they've earned that point. Pay them what they're worth. Right? I, Are they worth half a billion dollars? No, I. Somebody is a hundred billion dollars not enough. No, is it, that not enough to live the rest of your life on? I, I I'm not saying that it's not. What I'm saying is, is as those contracts began to creep up, they were eventually going to get paid that amount of money. Okay, I it I don't have a cap in place. Well, yeah, but again, we go back to this whole labor dispute, right? They can't even agree on a minimum salary. You think they're going to be able to agree on a salary cap? And then and then you've got this whole competitive balance aspect of things where who's to say that those numbers that were reported were accurate? So now you don't have... In my mind, it's easy to say no one's going to make less than a million. The minimum you're going to make for the year is a million dollars. As a professional baseball player, the max you're going to make as a professional baseball player is $20 million on the year. $20 $20 million for one year sounds like a hell of a lot of money to me. I'm not out there trying to buy yachts and Lamborghinis and new houses and helicopters, no, G5 we- jets and all that. But to me, it's pretty simple. Minimum $1 million, maximum $20 million. I don't care how good you are. You're not getting more than $20 million. Why? Because we got to pay your teammates also. And we got to pay the guys that are trying to get into the show also a livable wage so they can enjoy their life while chasing their dream. Isn't that kind of like to happen? I'm, I'm speaking out into the wind here. No yeah, one can hear it. Isn't that kind of what the NBA does with their max contracts? Uh, I'm not boned up on the yeah, I was saying they can do, but there is yeah, a cap. there's there's got to I mean there's there's a reason why you know I'm listening to a song when I'm working out this morning and I hear the artist say I'm baseball rich, <laughs> right? Like I I. Yeah. I Albert Pujols made how much with the Angels? A lot. And he was well past his prime. Well, was he worth that money? Not a chance in hell. But he got it. And he got it. That, right? Because baseball allows it to happen. Well, yeah, but it they've got it backwards, right? They don't pay the guys when they're the most valuable, so they have to pay them when they're least valuable. Right? It's the same, like it, it's it's frustrating. And it's it's something that again, guys like us. We may have great ideas, but we'll never have a seat at the table. Nope. We will never have a seat at the table. And we are the, we have imposed upon us whatever they decide. And we have to deal with the consequences. So. It's not fair to us. It's not fair to, it's not also, it's also not all about us, right? I want guys that have spent their life training to become these major league athletes actually get a shot to be those major Uh league athletes. But, like, the people that end up paying the salaries, those fans who are paying the ticket prices and the hot dog prices and the beer prices and the pizza prices, like, they're getting shafted. They're getting shafted big time. And it doesn't seem like, to put blame on both sides, either one of those people really care. Right. I think the players may feign that they care, but... I and maybe well, they do a little bit. I mean, and I, I would say that the players probably care a little bit more than the owners do about the fans, right? And the right, well, it's because the fans are screaming their name. They're not screaming the owners' names. No, well, <laughs> they might be screaming the owners' name tonight, and it's not like in a different way. Yeah, with a with a lynch in one hand Ooh. and a pitchfork in the other. But no, I've always, you know, my thoughts on it. I was have always been it should be performance related for athlete and team. If your team sucked and you won 20% of your games last year, guess what? Next season's tickets, 80% off. Why? You only won 20% of your games. Why am I paying a full price for this when you're giving me a shit product? Now, I can get behind that. I, another thing, another idea that I heard that I really like too, because this whole idea of tanking, uh, I understand the business aspect of it and the building, team building aspect of tanking. Okay? I want to be very clear about that. I get it, right? You need to finish worse so you get a high draft pick. Mm -hmm. Totally understand, right? 
players were trying to get a lottery system in place. I wouldn't even say prior to that, but an idea that I did hear floated around was if your team finishes in the worst five, three years in a row, you lose a first-round draft pick. And I was like, sign me up for that all day long. Mm. Sign me up for that, right? You look at the, the, the Tigers have had a top-five draft pick since 2017, I think. Right? Yep. Seriously? And I understand that it takes a lot longer, right? You draft these kids out of high school. You draft them out of college. They got to work their way through the minors. They don't all have to work their way through the minors that slowly. But, like, come on, guys. Five years? When you're you're signing, like, guys on their last leg just to continue to be in those top five and, and build those drafts, that draft stock up. I would be all for what you said. First of all, you win 20% of your games, tickets are 80% off. Hey, fans, love you. Also, you finish in the top worst five in a year, you lose a draft pick the following year. You shouldn't be rewarded for sucking. No, you shouldn't. I, maybe one year, maybe two years, but if it starts to become a repetitive thing, Come on, now you're not even trying. Yeah, and in that last month of the season and you know you're tanking and your fans are still showing up for your squad that is not trying to win? Because they want... The next season for the same seat of another game because they showed up for this shitty-ass team to see this game. And that's what I'm saying, right? People are going to the ballpark because they want to be at the ballpark. Some of my favorite memories as a kid were going and picking up my grandmother for her birthday, my dad, myself, my younger brother when he was old enough, and my grandma, because she was a huge Tigers fan. And we'd go to the corner of Michigan and Trumbull, and we'd sit in the outfield seats, and we would watch the Detroit Tigers, and those are some of the best memories of my childhood. And I would love to be able to create those memories for my son as well, mm -hmm. but it's a lot harder to do that now. Yeah. A lot harder to afford it. A lot harder to afford it. Yeah. That's without even getting anything at the ballpark. If you were just getting a ticket to the ballpark for ticketing and parking, it's a stupid amount of money. Your kid's going to want food. What, Your kid's going to want a foam finger. A Your kid's going to want a snack, and a, a jersey, a shirt, a ball, a ball whatever. Yeah. All that's going to add up, and you walked out of it for two people to see a baseball game and all the crap that you want to buy your son, you spend 500 bucks. And yet... And yet, I'll go to bed tonight thinking, this is still the greatest sport on planet Earth. As mad as I am right now, and as irritated as I am with the clown that runs the show, it's still America's sport. Might not be the most popular anymore, but it's still the soundtrack of summer. So piggybacking off of the experience you want to give your son. Yeah. I was that son at the end of the 80s, in the early 90s. I had Cecil Fielder, you know. I had the, the greatest double play combo to ever grace the game of baseball. You know, I had the phenomenal Sparky Anderson yeah. as my manager. Yes. Saw, you know, unbelievable games. Went to a friend's birthday party against the A's. I can't help but smile when you talk about these guys, man. These I are like my guys. I love them. I love it. 19 is either 89 or 90. I got a loop. Uh, what starting lineup somewhere? It's probably, oh, it's up there. I can see him. But both yeah. Bash brothers and yeah. Cecil all hit one out of the park. I think Cecil's yeah. actually cleared the stadium. Yeah. And so I had those memories. That guy was of a, an enjoyable baseball team to watch. Might not be the greatest team. Right. But an enjoyable team to watch. For sure. And we had those memories as adults right. in the 2010s. Sure through 2015 or so uh, the heart and then the some great boys bad decisions after jim leland in management and mm -hmm. aging stars were let go some stars who still had stuff were let right. go for their for their purposes of going to win on a, on a team ready to win like jv in houston right but we saw a turnaround last year we had a phenomenal manager fall into our laps we didn't miss 
We didn't, we didn't. Chicago White Sox it. We, we were nervous. Problem. We were nervous we might miss. Yeah. I was like, uh, if this doesn't happen, and now that it's falling in our lap, he needs to be strung up by his toenails. But he did it. I'm happy. He did it. I'm glad he did it. And we were, you know, fighting towards 500 last year. Yeah. So if this season somehow starts in May. Yeah. Let's say they missed the first month of the season. Ugh. I know. You're missing what? 20 games in that month? Probably. So maybe it's 140. Oh, 144. We can go back to older baseball. 144 game season instead of 162. But there is hope for these Detroit Tigers. There is. When baseball does play again, because look, we've talked doom and gloom. It looks bad, but the reality is it's not going to fall off the face of the earth. Could they go a year without playing? Maybe. Will they go a year without playing? If I were a betting man, I would definitely bet against that. Mm -hmm. And so when they do announce your Detroit Tigers and you see that old English D on that crisp white uniform running out of that dugout and they cross over those foul lines, there is a reason to be hopeful, right? Are they going to win the World Series this year? No. Probably not. No, they're not. Are they going to contend for a wild card this year? Most likely not. Most likely not. Maybe, but most likely not. But are they going to improve this year? I would say absolutely. Absolutely. Can they get to 81 wins? Well, it would be less than that because they've been playing 145 or 144 games. Right. So let's say 70. Can they get to 70, 75 wins? Yeah. Can they? Yeah. I think they can. Um, You've got a solid rotation, right? You've got the added boost of watching an aging Miguel Cabrera chase after 3,000 home runs or 3,000 hits, not home runs. My bad. That'd be amazing. That would be incredible. <laughs> first of all, like a record that will never be, never broken. be touched. Um, no, 3,000 hits. Like he's inching his way that way. Um, and then you've got a solid group in the field. Signed Javi Baez before the lockout, so he's a Detroit Tiger. You've got Jamer Candelario, right? You've got guys waiting in the wings like Torkelson and Green. You went and traded for Tucker Barnhart. Like, it's the pieces are there to have a solid team. You've also got a guy leading that team that has been there before, that knows what it takes. And last year, you saw they were a different team last year. The cast of characters was not entirely different. It was different because it's always different year in and year out. But they played differently. And that's not to, like, badmouth Gardenhire because I love Gardenhire. I honestly thought that we should have tried to buy him out of the Twins contract when Leland left to Mm -hmm. get him to Detroit. But... We didn't. We went with Brad Ausmus, and that was a disaster. And then we hired Gardner. But AJ Hinch and the way that he has this team going, and the way that you can kind of just feel the tension and the animosity kind of starting to melt away. And it started to melt away last season. And I think when they take the field this season, it'll start to melt away even more. And then you're going to get to see the Torkelson in the lineup. You're going to get to see the green in the lineup. You're going to get to see all these guys go out there and play. Like, there is reason to be excited as a Detroit Tigers team. Uh, For the Detroit Tigers team, there's reason to be excited as a Detroit Tigers fan. Playoffs, not even going to go there. Not even going to talk there. All we want to see is that next step forward. Can they take that next step forward? And... There's no reason they can't. Absolutely no reason they can't. Plenty of opportunity for them to go out, contend, and then say, you know what? We signed Javi last season. Now it's time to to sign somebody else. Really round this thing out, and it's time to go for it again. Wait, did we get Carlos Correa? No, he's still unsigned. 
But there was somebody the other day, I can't remember who it was, that said Yankees, Dodgers, Tigers, and somebody else are, are in the mix or have shown interest. I don't know if that's like lockout. We got more time to get them. I don't think that's like, I don't know if that's like pre lockout or whatever, like that we showed interest in him. But I mean, there's the, the landscape of baseball changed very quickly that this off season and, you know, the Rangers going out and signing Seager and Simeon. Right. And there's, there's still no way knows what's going on with Trevor's story. Like there's, this huge like wave and influx of a shifting landscape that's gonna I mean Freddie Freeman is still technically unsigned. Mm-hmm. Right? And I and <laughs> you want to talk about ultimate wish list, man. <laughs> if there is a way you could pry that man out of Atlanta and get him to play first base for the Detroit Tigers for a few years, I'm telling you, that would that that would start the, the playoff conversation in my opinion right and so it's exciting it's exciting and what's even more exciting is when this lockout does end grab the popcorn because they're going to be a flurry of free agents that just start popping right left right left team signing because they just want to get it done and let's go as quick as possible so regardless of what they agree on on the money, there's going to be a lot of money probably thrown around very, very, very quickly after this agreement is signed. And and I think that's a good thing, right? You've already pissed everybody off. (laughs) You've driven some people away. Maybe, right? People are a lot more bark than they are bite, and I'll never watch baseball again. Okay. If the Detroit Tigers go on a 15-game winning streak and – the Chicago White Sox come to town, there's a good chance you might want to be going to that game, mm-hmm. right? Like, so let's let's tap the brakes a little bit on the I'll never watch baseball again talk, and let's let things fall where they may, and be excited because the boys in the old English D are about to take that step forward. You know, I think that's a great way for our inaugural show to end. Uh, talking about that hope that the Tigers had. So AJ Riley, host of Straight Shooting with Matt Basson. We are excited that you were able to stop by. Make sure that you check us out on our all of our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, our new TikTok, and then you can watch full episodes of all the shows that we'll be producing and putting out on our YouTube page. So make sure that you subscribe there there'll be a new episode of straight shooting next week on tuesday so make sure you check it out and until then shoot straight